Well, how are we doing tonight? Doing okay? Very good. Are you hungry? If not, get hungry. Grab your Bible and turn with me to Matthew 25. I want to share with you uh, Jesus' words on the wedding feast. A message that is entitled tonight, Ready or Not, Here He Comes. Whether we're ready for it, it doesn't change the fact that He is coming soon, and it has great implications for us. Let's turn our attention to His Word together. As I read aloud, you read silently there in your Bible or your device, Matthew 25, 1-13. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise, however took oil and jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom! Come out and meet him! Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give, give us some of your oil! Our lamps are going out! No, they replied, There may not be enough for both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourself. But while they were on their way to buy buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later the ones also came. Sir, sir, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, I tell you the truth. I do not know you. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the words that you have given to us through your Son tonight. Lord, probably most of us in this room have read this and heard about this, even taught on this many times over. Lord, I pray that you would not only give us good reminders tonight, And simplify this truth for us tonight. But I ask that you would help us see the encouragement, the urgency, and the mission that you're calling us to through this teaching. So Lord, I ask again that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts here together will not only be pleasing to you, but Lord, that it will create an environment for you to do your work. Let that be so, Jesus. Amen and amen. Well, when Jesus ascended into heaven, he promised that he would come again. Come again to judge, come again to cast the enemy and his followers into hell, and to take his church to live forever with him in heaven. The Bible warns us to be ready, and that's what this teaching is about when Jesus gives these words. He's saying, be ready, I'm coming again, whether you're ready or not, I am coming Because we don't know when Jesus will return, we should keep ourselves at the place of readiness at all times. I remember when I was at Olivet uh, as a college student there, um, part of the religion degree was to take New Testament Greek. 
I was not real excited to take New Testament Greek, not because of the subject matter. I thought that would be kind of cool, but I struggled enough with English and let alone trying to learn another language. I thought this is going to be impossible. And I remember getting into that Greek class early in my college career there, and the, the instructor gave us these daily lessons that we needed to do. It was things to study every day, exercises to do every day. Now, here was the problem. They were not graded every day. So technically they were not required. But if you would do them every day, you'd be prepared six weeks later for that exam that would come. And I remember being in that class vividly, day one would come. I, 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 didn't, I didn't study for that. Day two would come. Well, now I feel overwhelmed because I have day one and day two to study. Day three would come. Well, you know what? This isn't really graded. It's not required. So uh, I'll wait. So now I have day one, two, and three to study. Day four would come. Well, you know, I, I also need to know systematic theology, and there's an actual assignment that's graded. I need to do that. And you could see the pattern of where this was going. Day one and two and three and four would follow until I found myself the night before the exam, that six weeks exam. And I recognized I had some studying to do. So I stayed up all night. And I studied hard. I mean, I gave it everything I had. I was going over flashcards. I was going over the text. I did everything I could. And the next morning as I sat in that classroom and the exam was before me, it was all Greek to me. <laughs> That's about as good as the joke's going to get. It was Greek. But the problem was I didn't know Greek. I hadn't studied. I hadn't prepared. And as I took that exam and what you guess happened, happened as I failed that exam, my professor, who was wise and loving, saw that failure in my eyes before he even graded the exam. He called me up to his desk after and he said, you waited till too late, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Now, now, that story ended well because he made a covenant with me. He says, hey, I'm going to help you get through this, but you've got to meet with me every day. And that's a whole other story on grace. But at that moment, I failed the exam. I never got another chance to take that exam over again. It was too late. It reminds me of, I think, one of the themes that Jesus is teaching in this illustration that he's giving. It's this, that some things cannot be put off until the last minute. If you're taking notes, that's the first thought there. Some things cannot be put off until the last minute. The bridesmaids were supposed to have their lamps ready to light, to light their way for the wedding party that would be coming in. But when the groom arrived, only five bridesmaids were ready. The other five had waited too long. The shops were probably closed by now. It was too late to go buy oil or not enough time at least to go get the oil and come back. And procrastination, while it's a bad habit in any area of life, it can be catastrophic and fatal spiritually if we put things off with the Lord that we should never be putting off. Jesus is teaching the importance here in this passage of being prepared to meet him when he returns. Because after he appears, when he comes back, all those who have not believed and not trusted him with their life, it's too late. It's over. There's not another chance. C.S. Lewis is credited with writing a number of decades on ago, when Christ returns, how awful would it be to know that all of what was said about him was true and it's too late to do anything about it. I also was reflecting uh, this afternoon a little bit about uh, my, my time when I was in Oskaloosa, Iowa. I was on the school track team. I wasn't that great of a track runner. That was just 
uh, something to try to keep me in shape for football at the time. That's what I was wanting to focus on. But I remember as I was challenged or tasked to run the 100-yard, 100-meter dash, that was my race that I would run. And, and kind of the, the pattern that we would fall into, I'm not sure why we did this. I just think it was what we thought was cool. We would never, ever wear our running shoes, our spikes, until the last minute. We'd have our running socks on, and we'd wear some of these kind of flip-flops or slide sandals that you'd put your feet in. We just kind of thought we were cool waiting to the last minute to, to put them on. And, and I remember getting there to that track meet, and as I was getting my stuff ready, I looked in my gym bag there, and I saw that I had not brought, I didn't pack my spikes, my shoes, my running shoes. And thankfully, I, I looked before the last second there to put them on and i noticed and i didn't have a lot of time to scramble i thought what am i going to do i can't run barefoot they'll disqualify me that was against the rules you couldn't do that i thought well maybe i could make a deal with one of my friends who runs a different race he ran the 200 he wouldn't be running when i'm running so maybe i could borrow his shoes so i made a deal with pat and pat said yeah i'll let you borrow my shoes but i underestimated the problem that a pair of shoes two sizes too big would bring when you're trying to sprint i laced those uh, spikes on i cinched them as tight as they could be they looked super dorky it looked like you were running in clown shoes i tied it around my ankle everything to try to keep these shoes on and while they technically stayed on my feet i ran the race i finished the race but once again this theme is coming through i failed i i i i had the shoes but they were not my shoes and and sometimes you just have to have your own equipment. You just have to have something that's tailor-made for you. It, doesn't, it worked well for Pat. He did well in his race, just as they anticipated he would do. The same shoes worked well for him, but they did not work for me. They were not intended for me. They didn't fit me. They were not mine. They were his. I see a theme similar to this that Jesus is weaving into this passage. You see, some things just can't be borrowed. Well, what do you mean, Brady? Well, the foolish virgins in this story could not borrow oil when they needed it. It's the same way that people cannot borrow a personal relationship with Jesus from someone close to them. They must possess it for themselves. They cannot live off of someone else's spiritual capital. You can't make it to heaven off of your family's faith. You can't make it to heaven off of the faith that you try to instill in your children. I've seen that in some. They want spirituality for their kids. They want spirituality for their grandkids. But for themselves, they keep things at arm's length. You cannot have a relationship with Jesus through anybody else other than Him. It's all about your personal relationship with Christ. My relationship with Christ. No one else can answer for you. You must make that personal commitment to Christ to become a follower of Him yourself. And when Christ returns, what others have said and what others have done will do nothing for you. Nothing. When I get to the end of my life, the people that have accepted Christ under my ministry will do nothing for my entrance into heaven. Nothing. It's on what I have done with my faith in Christ alone. It's the same thing for you. Whether your work life, your family life, in your eyes was successful or a failure, it has nothing to do with eternity with Christ. It's in your relationship with Christ. We know this. We've embraced this. We've taught this. Duh, Brady. We need to be reminded. Some of us, there's encouragement that's going to come through this tonight. Others, there, there may be an area of conviction tonight. For all of us, there should be a sense of urgency that comes. Some things... You can't put off to the last minute. Some things just can't be borrowed. 
See, we love to talk about the details of the end times. I heard a preacher, oh, it was a couple months ago, it was on, uh, not WBCL, what was it, Bot Radio, one of the preaching radio stations we have, and he said something to the fact of this. He said, you know, I can tell the attendance pattern based off of what sermon series I preach. This guy had been in the ministry for 40, 45 years. He said, you know, if, if I preach on prophecy and end times, it'll pack out the room. But nobody likes to show up to see how they can love more like Christ. I thought, that's kind of interesting. I don't know what it is. We, we naturally have a curiosity about the end times. We have a desire to know the things of the end times. And, and there's nothing wrong with, with reading the apocalyptic literature in Scripture. There's nothing wrong with having an interest there. But the challenge comes when we are more interested in the details of Christ's return than we are on being ready for Christ's return. Right. It's not that we shouldn't have any interest in it, but we should be more concerned about being ready ourselves than knowing every detail of the end times. It kind of reminds me when I was a child, I remember vividly thinking this. I would see something on TV, it was probably some movie or something, some TV show, where there would be a, a, a van or a car that would be racing down a mountain road and, and they would crash into the guardrail and they would go off the edge of the cliff. You've seen a scene like that of some kind. And, and that, that vehicle is barreling all the way down to the canyon below to hit the rocks and you know death is there. And I thought, you know what I'd do? I'd do what Wiley Coyote does. I'd wait right to just the last moment before that van or that truck hits the ground. I'd fling open the door. I'd stand on the running board on the edge of that vehicle. And right at the last minute, I'd time it. I've got good timing. I would leap when it's about five feet off the ground, clear, and I would just roll and land. And this is, why don't people do this? And they got me thinking, why does anybody die in a plane crash? Are they not smart enough to figure this out? When the plane is going down, fling open the door and wait to the last minute. All right, now, now, jump. Well, my silly brain hadn't known that that with the law of physics this doesn't work. I didn't realize not only is the plane or the van going at a certain rate of speed, so are the inhabitants of that vehicle. And to, to go against the laws of gravity at that, it's impossible. In cartoons it could happen, but it doesn't make sense. The way we see this and think, well, that's a silly childish thing. Spiritually, so many people live their life as if that's an option for them. I want to study the end time things so I can, I can time it right before the end and I'll leap to Jesus. What makes us think if we've lived a life of defiance that in some quick moments that all of a sudden we'd live a life of surrender? While not only is the first thought impossible with the laws of physics, the second is impossible with the laws of God. Some things just can't be borrowed. Also, we see some things do not need to be known. Well, but but I want to know all the details of the end times, and I think sometimes subconsciously we say, then I can get everything right. And then I can time it in just a way that, that then I'll get everything together. Friend, You and I don't know if the second coming is coming first or your death or my death. I I hope that you don't get hit by a Mack truck tomorrow. I hope I don't, but I have no guarantee of that. My life could be over in a moment, and so could yours. He could come back in a moment. And so Jesus' point in this teaching is not time it in such a way that you know everything. I think that's one of the challenges with our preoccupation with all the details of the end times. Don't misunderstand me. It's God's Word. We are to read it. We are to know it. But are we obsessed with controlling it or obsessed with understanding how He's teaching us how to live? 
Jesus stated the point of this parable at the end there in verse 13. Therefore, he says, keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. If Jesus says that you and I, no man, no woman will know the day or the hour, then why are there so many who seem to prescribe to tell us exactly when that is? Some people, because they get so caught up in trying to figure out the elaborate, detailed scenarios of the second coming, I believe they, they match the biblical prophecies with contemporary events. And there's some help there. We can definitely see that I believe everything that needs to happen is happening. And he could come back now. But we can get so caught up in that that we lose the real message of Christ. And the message is, I am coming and you need to be ready. In fact, when we see this, there is enough power and the plain, simple truth that Scripture teaches all over the place that Jesus will return visibly to this earth and victoriously. We also can clearly focus on the fact that His return will bring about an end to this time and a beginning to eternity. And third, we can see that when Jesus comes back, He will judge the world, He will send Satan and His followers to hell, and He will take His church with Him into heaven. Anything beyond that, I believe, can be distracting for us. The key is live ready. Live knowing that He is coming. It's enough to recognize that there is power in the Lord's promise that He's coming again. Enough correction to know that we need to live ready. Enough urgency that the time is short for us to reach others. The return of Christ will have the same significance for Christians who are alive when it happens as death has for Christians who pass away. Whether you and I are alive when Christ comes back or you and I die here on this earth, that marks the moment where this world ends and ushers in eternity with Him. And both will happen guaranteed and both bring about a finality to them. I, I think about a good wedding photographer. They wait for hours at times, prepared, poised, and ready to capture those priceless moments. They lift their camera. They focus the lens. They've charged the flash. They've loaded the SD card or the film and they are waiting for that moment. As I was thinking back this afternoon on Carrie and I's wedding, and some of the unique circumstances that surrounded that, I've shared with you, our family here, some of those things. As I've told you before, Carrie's dad was diagnosed with leukemia just a few months before we were to get married, while we were engaged. And what we had anticipated was to be at least four or five or six or ten years together. It turned out that it was significantly shorter than that. And as the days were leading up to our wedding, we saw that not only was he not doing well and not be, probably going to not be able to attend the wedding, that we thought we probably wouldn't have him very much longer. And as Carrie and I began to process that and walk through it and begin to surrender that to the Lord, and, and we were coming to grips with, with the peace the Lord would bring to us that we wouldn't have Randy for very long, but I remember Carrie, in her honest moment, she said, Brady, I'm surrendering this to the Lord, but this it may seem silly, but... Just the thought of not having dad in my pictures is just tearing me up. If I have to give him up, could, could I at least have him in my pictures? My heart broke 
one of the first times of many that I learned that, that I can't fix it in, guys, we're not supposed to fix it. I'm still learning that. Well, if you don't want me to fix it, then why tell me? I need counseling for that, but that's a whole other issue with me. But I'm sitting there feeling helpless. What, what, what could I do? And I hear this, and so that's the environment. And, and then when we get right down to the week of the wedding, we see that Randy had physically rallied a little bit, and, and a miracle took place. Some medical executives took it upon themselves to pay for something that they didn't have to pay for. I've never seen that again in my life. If you know some who want to do that, then that's amazing. Help me meet them because I want to have faith in that. But they decided on their own. They heard Randy's story. They wanted to pay for an ambulance trip two hours away from the college church there at Olivet to send him by ambulance with paid staff from the hospital to be with him so he could be at his daughter's wedding. And as that news was kind of circulated, we weren't quite sure if it was going to happen. That photographer there at our wedding was poised. He was ready. His camera was lifted. His lens was focused. His flash was charged. The SD card was loaded. And the moment that those back doors at College Church there at Olivet opened up and Randy came in with the assistance of those nurses, we were all up on the platform taking pictures before the wedding took place. And that photographer was ready. And he caught the picture. Of my wife seeing her dad for the first time. It was too good to miss. He was ready. If he wasn't poised and ready, he would have missed it. And when Carrie ran off the platform and embraced her dad, he caught the picture again. And there was many, many photographs like that throughout the day. And it was, it was a blessed moment. But I was thinking about this wedding feast and, and the theme that Jesus is also weaving here at this point. There are some things that simply are too important to be missed. That's number four if you like to take notes. Some things simply must not be missed. The foolish virgins missed the joy of the wedding feast because they were not ready when the groom came. Friend, could you and I make sure that we don't miss the incredibly great joy that will come to those who attend Jesus' wedding feast? It'll take preparation It'll take waiting. It'll take us being poised to seize the moment when we see the return of Christ. To live ready, hearts ready to accept Him. Let's make sure we don't miss it. The New Testament uses a beautiful Greek term to describe Jesus' return. We find it in 1 Thessalonians 4, 18 through, or 15 through 18 and some other places as well. And this term in ancient times referred to the visit of a person of high rank, often of a king or an emperor. And so this very description of the return of Christ is eliciting this idea of the king is coming. Knowing that the king of kings will return to this earth. Could we follow the example of what Martin Luther is credited with saying? Martin Luther had said that there's only two days on his calendar. Today and that day. Think about it for a minute. What if that was what carried significance for you? Today and that day that he returns. Oh, there's things about yesterday and there's things about tomorrow. But for Martin Luther, he said, no, no. What I preoccupy myself with is today with the Lord and that day that he'll come. I think maybe that's what Jesus had in mind when he said, do not borrow trouble from tomorrow. Today has enough trouble of its own. Is teaching us to pray, ask this day for your daily bread. Jesus, what would it be like for me and my friends to live this day and 
for that day that you come. Some things are just simply too important to be missed. We can't miss it. As Jesus wraps up the conclusion of this passage, he simply says, Therefore, keep watch, because you don't know the day or the hour. For us to turn our faith to Christ is not something that we can put off. It's not something that we can outsource and ride the coattails of someone else. The moment is too precious to take lightly. There should be encouragement that my entrance, your entrance to eternity with Christ is not based off of your talent, your smarts, your good looks, people's opinions about you, even your effort. You and I are saved by grace and faith alone. But yet, there's a very real day coming. As we come to a close tonight, that's the end of the teaching. But I just feel prompted for us to take just a couple moments and then we'll dismiss. To allow maybe the urgency of this reminder. Maybe you're here tonight and this all was new. And if it's new to you, I want you to know that tonight could be the night that you accept Christ for the first time. Sometimes I get forgetful that there's friends around us who have not discovered that joy yet. It happened just a few weeks ago, even here on a Sunday night. If that's you, in a moment we're going to pray and and I want to encourage you to get ready by letting Him be Lord of your life. But I think there's a, a very huge majority of us who would say, Brady, I'm ready. I'm thankful for the reminder to be ready. But maybe what the Lord wants to prod us is, is there any urgency for us to help someone else be ready? And so what I want to challenge you to do right now, in your outline, if you have notes in front of you, if you don't have that, just on a piece of paper, but some place that you could jot down. I'd like for you to keep this in your Bible, keep this at a place you'll see it. Maybe you want to put it on your dash in the car. Maybe you want to put it on your mirror in the bathroom, on your refrigerator. But I want you right now just to ask the Lord, Lord, who is it in my circle of influence? Maybe it's in my family, my circle of friends, my co-workers, my neighbors, maybe even in my church family, that to the best of your knowledge, They don't know Jesus like this. They're not living ready. Now, hear me. I know it feels strange. You're not judging them. Maybe you get close to them and you find out that they love Jesus. Then throw a party and celebrate. Don't condemn them. Just say, that's awesome. But to the best of your knowledge, they don't know Him yet. Friends, we can't procrastinate too long. We we can't borrow this and just get it off of someone else. We, We can't forget... How important it is that we are to know everything. We are to trust Him. It's not to us to figure everything out. We need to understand that some things are just too precious not to be ready for. As you're thinking, I want to encourage you just to jot a name or two down. And as we pray tonight, as we close, I want you to lift them up. I'm not going to have you give me their name. I'm not going to have you share it with anybody else. That's a good thing to do at another time, but not tonight. If you're here tonight and you say, I got nothing, first I want you to know that's one of my new, favorite, very spiritual answers. 
some of the guys that we're working with together. Uh, if we try to make things up with the Lord, fake it till you make it, I, I really believe it messes us up. We, we confuse our own voice with the Lord. And so I just want to free you up tonight. If you're here and you go, I don't know, just then tell the Lord that. That's a very good spiritual answer. That's, don't look down on that. Lord, I have no idea. Here's my guess. The Lord wants you and me to be aware of people around us who are going to miss it, who aren't ready. And could I suggest to you, more helpful than them, understanding all the details and all the ins and outs of, 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 of how we can interpret the end times, hey, what if they could just understand who Jesus is? He is coming back, and there is going to be eternity, and, and there is going to be a price to be paid, a hell to, to, to be tormented in, a heaven to be lived in, and it is, it is happening, and it can be for you and for me and your friend. As we turn to him now, whether there's that name or two or three, they're on your sheet that you're going to lift up to the Lord, or if it's a blank spot. Some of us, we just need to say, Jesus, I'm open to you using me. I just don't know where you want to use me. I believe tonight he can impress a name on your heart. But here, I want to, I want to warn you, this is, for some of us, Satan's going to do this. He's doing it right now. No. Like five minutes left. Just tune out. Start thinking about Culver's or Wendy's or whatever's next. Hey, Jesus is saying, someone's got to pay a price. Not only be ready, but to help someone else be ready. Don't, don't miss an opportunity. The Lord wants to tell you. Or maybe the Lord will say, hey, stay close to me this week, and I want to show you somebody. But let's turn our hearts to him in, in prayer right now. First, I want to invite, if you're here tonight, and if you have never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, in just a moment, I'm going to pray, and I want to invite you to pray in your mind, silently as I pray out loud. And let me tell you what we're going to pray together. We're simply going to acknowledge that there are things that we've said and done wrong, that's sin, and acknowledge that it separates us from Christ, but ask Him to forgive us, to come into our life, and to lead us. If that's you, I encourage you to pray with me as I pray now. You can pray silently as I pray aloud. Jesus, I come to you tonight and I acknowledge that there are things that I have said and that I have done that are wrong. And I recognize that those things are sin and that they separate me from you. And Jesus, I want to ask you to forgive me tonight. I'm not just sorry that I got caught or I got in a mess or that my life seems in ruins. I'm sorry enough, Lord, I want you to turn me in the other direction. So with your help, Jesus, I want to live my life in obedience to you the rest of my days. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Friend, if you prayed that tonight... Scripture is very clear that all of heaven is celebrating another son or daughter who has come home. Scripture says that you are saved in this moment. Brothers and sisters, if you have a name written down that's 
on your sheet there, if a name that's on your heart, I want you in your mind to lift that to the Lord. Jesus, I, I thank you for the simple yet urgent truth that you give to us tonight of who you are, what you have done, what you are bringing, and the certainty that it will happen and there will be an end. Lord, would you help us be bearers of your good news to this man, to this woman, to this boy, to this girl that you have put on our heart. Lord, I lift up those who are thinking of family members. It breaks their heart to think of that family member who does not trust in you, not at this level yet, not in this way. Lord, would you give us words to give a reason for the hope that we have in you. Lord, may we plant the seeds. Lord, may we water the seeds that's been planted. But Lord, we're trusting you to make it grow. Lord, I lift up my brother and sister here tonight, that in all honesty, they gave a very good spiritual answer. They have no idea. Lord, would you begin to break our hearts for the things that break your heart? This week, Lord, as we lock eyes with other people, would you help us to see with your eyes those that, that don't know you? Lord, we're not trying to judge. We're not trying to put anybody down. But, Lord, would you show people to us in the best of our knowledge that that we could give the good news of your son Jesus to. Lord, I pray that you will slam shut the mouth of Satan that wants to whisper lies to my brothers and sisters all week. Oh, they wouldn't be interested. You wouldn't know what to say. They're going to laugh at you. Who are you to speak truth? You have things you're still working on in your own life. And Lord, may you take all those excuses and remind us that you are the answer. In every one of our weaknesses, that's where your strength is made perfect. To the one who can't talk well, they're going to hear you more clearly, Jesus, because of their lack of ability to speak. To the one who doesn't have all the answers, Lord, your answer is going to be so clear that it's from a divine source, not a human source, because it's not confused with any other intellectual mumbo-jumbo. To the one who is afraid of what will be said about them, Lord, as they in risk and boldness with you, would you not only get your message out, but remind them that when you are for us, God, who can be against us? And God, and just bare-faced honesty tonight, if we're facing a case of just not really caring that much, not really feeling it that urgent? Would you remind us of your words that we read? Some things we just can't wait to the last minute on. Some things, Lord, we just can't borrow and, and try to get in on someone else, Lord. Some things, they're just way too precious to miss, Lord. And some things, we can't figure them all out. But Lord, would you give us the sense of urgency that you have. It's in your name, Jesus, I ask these things. Amen and amen. Church, would you stand with me? I say it often, because I mean it often, but I'm concerned tonight that you may be confused because I say it often. So I'm asking the Lord to help me know how to say it different. I can see in your eyes that you are drinking in His Word.
I want to thank you for that. I can see that you're giving attention to his word. That makes me excited for what he's going to do in your heart. And so as you go tonight, it's with excitement and anticipation that I know that Jesus didn't just give you a little ditty of a talk. And that's just kind of a pill to keep evil away. He wants to continue to speak to you about this passage. So it's my prayer that the same attention, the same effort that you gave to his word tonight, that you be open to him speaking to you in your thoughts, in his word, through another brother and sister on the same thing. May God bless you. He is coming again, whether you are ready or not. Go, be encouraged, live ready, and help someone else be ready.